This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Welcome back to The Leaders We Need. Today on the podcast, we're going to wrap up my conversation with Representative Ryan Martinez. He is beginning his third term representing House District 39 in Edmond, Oklahoma, and he now serves as chairman of the House Redistricting Committee. Ryan told us about the people and experiences that shaped his leadership and what he sees as one of the most important parts of legislating. Check out the previous episode and hear what he had to say on those topics. But if you're new to the show, The Leaders We Need is not a leadership podcast. Sure, there are great lessons in leadership that we'll pick up along the way, but the majority of what you hear on the podcast is a conversation with leaders. It's a subtle distinction, but an important one, as you will discover in the second part of my conversation with Ryan Martinez. Why is it important, you might ask? Well, we can engage leaders currently serving in elected office, local communities, business, and industry, but to change the leadership culture, promoting civility, integrity, and servant leadership, that will require investing in future leaders as well. If you're joining me today and you think that perhaps one day you want to run for office yourself, particularly the state legislature, you don't want to miss what Ryan has to say. I asked Ryan to tell me what it really takes to be a successful freshman legislator, how to represent your district and lead our state right out of the gate in your first year. He also walks us through the process and significance of rising in leadership and becoming a chair of a committee. If you haven't yet, take a moment to subscribe to The Leaders We Need wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, leave a comment. What we hear from listeners makes its way into future episodes, so be part of the conversation. Well, let's pick back up with my conversation with Ryan Martinez today on The Leaders We Need. When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder. Forward, written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. In When Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When Leaders Matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. You're now a couple years removed from being a freshman legislator. Um, Your freshman class was a significant size. The class that came after you, I think, was the largest in the history of the state. What does it take to succeed as a freshman legislator? I think I think a willingness to learn Mm -hmm. and the the willingness to kind of check your ego. I know for me, maybe this was a an issue for me. It's amazing because you get elected, you went through all this work and then you show up in what I call the capital bubble. Right. And there's all these people around you like you're trying to make you feel like a big deal. Right. All of a sudden you've got this title and, you know, it is a neat and an amazing 
opportunity. Don't get me wrong. But to humble yourself, to really sit back and say, I don't know everything. That's not why I was elected. I want to learn. There's very specific processes that happen within government that I need to learn about. There are very specific things in different areas of expertise that I need to learn about. I, I, I didn't come in here knowing everything. One of the things that I've seen people do that came before me is even their first session, they didn't file any bills. Really? And some people are thinking like, well, that's crazy. Why didn't he file any bills? You know, they, they must not be doing anything. That's exactly right. right. It's bigger than that. They, they've realized the value of sitting back and saying, I will be a more effective legislator if I sit back and truly master and learn this process. Learn from people that have been here before. Maybe don't rehash the same issues that we've been fighting over, you know, kind of learn to lay of the land. And those people become better at their job yeah. for doing it. So I think to me, that was the most powerful advice. And then one other thing that <laughs> that I was told that I think matter and I should probably take this advice more often is you're going to be sitting on the House floor. There's going to be a time for questions and debate. There's going to be a microphone sitting in front of you. If you think you need to say something, stop, think. Your brain's going to tell you, say something. Fight that urge. Don't say anything. <laughs> It'll say it again. Fight that urge again. Keep fighting that urge. And then if it's desperate and you've fought that urge for 10, 15 minutes, maybe consider saying something. But just choose your words wisely. Remember the relationships. Don't get too fired up to where you might damage a long-term goal. Because a lot of times a piece of legislation or something you're working on, it's great to be passionate about it. But it's going to take several. It's going to take several sessions, usually. It's not going to be, hey, I tried this once, I got it done. It happens. But if it's something big, it's going to take some work. Some people spend their full 12 years working on the same bill. And that's fine. And that's good. I would say that's how the process is designed. It's even a little easier to approach and understand that when you look closer to home, the state and local level. Not that we shouldn't look to our national politics, not that we shouldn't look to national leaders and engage them. Uh, but there is something very significant and valuable uh, and strategic in where you live and work. Yeah. And focus a little closer to home because y- you can see the long game a little more easily. One of the sicknesses that I've seen in our politics is this idea politics is a zero sum game. Yeah. And I have to win yeah. right now. And I've got to win every single day. <laughs> and if I'm not, then I'm losing. That's right. And being able to get that perspective that looks a little further down the road. Okay, we can make some progress today. And there is tomorrow, there's going to be another session. Or if something does get through the legislature that either you don't think is really quite finished or quite there or or maybe even it just has unintended consequences you can go back and work on it that's right there's always tomorrow and to remember that uh, another uh, thing that came to mind when you were when you were talking just because you've got a microphone doesn't mean you need to use it <laughs> that's exactly right yeah and yet uh, your voice is important sure and and you as a legislator uh, you are you're one of 101 members of the Oklahoma State House of Representatives and you represent all of the voices in your district. Well, sure. We can't govern ourselves with thousands of voices trying to work together to, to map this forward. That's why we elect one. Yeah. And now you step into that room uh, and, and you are speaking for and representing the people who sent you there. And you're working with 
a hundred others who are doing the exact same. And your voice does matter. Sure. I think one of my favorite things to say, and I've shared this before is when I watch debate and those question and answer periods happen on the floor or even in a, in a committee hearing, I will see somebody debate and maybe they know that, Hey, we, we, we've got the vote. Sure. We, we, we know what this is going to pass or the votes are against me. Yeah. And, and I know that I'm going to get up and say something and I'm probably not going to win the day, but I still have a voice for a reason. And you sure. have a voice in the legislature for a reason. And I love to go to a member who debated maybe in opposition or something that ended up passing sure. and just simply thank them yeah. for voicing that because it does matter. Absolutely. And, and there is tomorrow and there is future work that can be done. And the fact that you, and I think you wisely said, Hey, you suppress that urge, suppress that urge. <laughs> and if it's still there, okay, now you've really got something to say. You sure. know, my, my great desire for debate uh, in the state house is, is not that it would go away or wouldn't happen, but that it would be really, really meaningful. Today. Absolutely. Yeah. And be, and when that happens, we're going to get a better product. No doubt about it. So now you're a few years in, uh, you're about to go into your fifth session, and you have risen to areas of specific leadership. You were previously chairman of the Business and Commerce Committee in this new legislature. You're chairing the redistricting effort and the redistricting committee. Can you walk me through the process and significance of committee assignments and and serving as a committee chair in particular? Absolutely. So one of the things that I always say is interesting that's that's interesting about our state legislature versus even, you know, the the US Senate or the US House. Um the Speaker of the House in our body has the power to uh assign chairmanships to whomever they please, quite frankly. Now, there are checks and balances on that because remember the Speaker of the House is elected by the members of the House. So if there's something, some abuse or something that members don't like, they could very quickly lose their job as the Speaker. So um, having all that said, a lot of times the way that the current Speaker and former Speakers have done this is to gauge ex- areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about some of the, those those areas where you're passionate about it, you have some experience, um, some policy area you've been working on. They say, well, this person is qualified to do this. They have some interest. They've worked on these issues. Um, tell me what you're interested in. They'll put you in a position to start doing work on that committee, maybe as just a member. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get to see how that committee works. Eventually, you can rise to become a chairman. So just for example, the power of being a chairman is you're really that first what I call backstop on a piece of legislation. So every session there's 3000 bills filed. Yeah. I think you could ask any Oklahoman, do we really need 3000 new laws every single legislative meeting? So about 6,000 after every election cycle, I think most people say probably not. So I think the process is designed to weed out bad ideas or maybe not. I shouldn't say bad, maybe ideas that need some work, some ideas that we need to, uh, consider for a longer period of time. So being a chairman of a committee, you're that first stop. You control the agenda of that specific committee. Mm-hmm. So you have the ability to say, you know what? This needs work. I'm not going to schedule this this bill for a hearing. Work on it. Maybe come back next session. So there's a lot of power in that. You control the agenda. You help control the conversation. 
that's going to be happening in that legislative body. So that that's the first area. But also you become one of the area expertise. So one of the people that are an expert in a certain area, I should say. So if there's a business and commerce type issue, a lot of people say, who should I go talk to about that? Maybe the person that is the chair of business and commerce. They mm-hmm. seem to be doing a lot of work there. So you start to kind of get that area of expertise there, yeah, um, which is very powerful. You help control the narrative of that particular topic as yeah. well. As we're recording this, uh, we just watched Joe Biden be inaugurated and sworn in as the new president of the United States. Uh, tensions have been building for some time sure. in our country, but the last few days and weeks have been particularly difficult. Sure. Without focusing too much on what has led up to now. Sure. And there's a lot of that that's going on, a lot of diagnosing and assessing and considering, you know, what is it that's brought us to this place? But really just kind of reflecting on this current moment that we are in uh, as a state, as a nation, in this whole enterprise of our political process. I would love for you to share from your perspective as an elected leader in the state of Oklahoma, what do you see as some of the more significant challenges that we are facing in this moment? It's something that I, I pontificate on quite quite often, actually, because it's concerning. Um, I think be, being part of this and being part of the public discourse and, and all these things, it's it's been something that has bothered me for some time in a lot of ways, because you're right, the temperature gets has been so turned up and we've been in this culture and this idea that you do have to win all the time. It's either I'm right and you're wrong and that's the way it's going to be. And if we disagree, then I have no use for you. There's no value to me mm-hmm. to, to have you as a friend or as an acquaintance or whatever else. So I think that is a challenge. I think it it's okay for us to disagree on everything. We could not have any of the same views on anything and still respect each other mm-hmm. and still care about each other. I, I think that that's something for me, I know personally that I pray about a lot and I try to focus on, and I try to say, don't forget the big mission here. I have a bigger calling and a higher calling. And that's not to be, to be always winning the debate on the house floor. I've been called to do something bigger than that. Yeah. So let's keep our eyes on the, on the big goal. Right. So I, I think, I think remembering that and remembering that we're Americans, we're Oklahomans when it comes down to it, there's a bigger picture here. And let's not throw out the bigger picture over what's really a smaller issue. Um, I'm starting to see some of that. I think that there was a little so a wake up call. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we kind of hit this peak moment and people say, whoa, let's pump the brakes. This is getting out of hand. And you're seeing some of that, I think. I think you're seeing some reconciliation and some attempts to say, you know what? You might have wronged me in the past. I might have wronged you. Maybe let's move on. Yeah. Let's talk about where we go from here. Well, I don't want to drill down a little bit more on that, Sure. but also kind of practice what I preach a little bit, sure. do some active listening. I kind of heard three you know themes arise when you were talking about the challenges we're facing. And you know, first is losing sight of the big picture, the difficulty, the the discord just becomes so big in our view that we we can't see beyond it. I also heard you say we're distancing ourselves from other people. There's sure. just this distancing that is happening. Of course, we've just come through a year of, <laughs> of, of social distancing sure. and, and we are naturally distancing ourselves, but it's not just 
around geographic location or where we are, sure. or what we do, but it's around ideas. That's right. And we're so we're distancing ourselves from one another around ideas. But one thing you said that I agree with so much is we've lost or we are losing the ability to look at an opposing view and see that it has actual value. Sure. We can maybe say, all right, I can look at your view and not agree with it. Yeah. And it's different from mine. It's in opposition to mine. It's not the way I think we should go. And I say, well, it's it's a valid sure. view because yeah. you're a human being and you hold it. But it's not just that it's valid, but it's valuable. That's right. It, it can refine my own position. It can inform my own position. Yeah. When we are so focused on what we think is right, we sometimes become blind to the areas that we where we're missing some things. That's exactly and so when you right. see an, another side, yeah. another perspective, it, it does have the opportunity to add value. Sure. And those were kind of three of the challenges. Yeah. And I think that's, it, that's quite succinct and, and right. Um, yeah. Where I, we are. You made it sound much more succinct than I did. So I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing it back <laughs> well, home. I was probably more rambling. Well, but, but you, but you also start talking about what we saw happen on January 6th, sure. which, which I think was very, alarming sure. and and shocking maybe we've heard rhetoric for a long time yeah. about you know some sort of a some sort of a, a, a great conflict where these two opposing ideas are going to hit but maybe we didn't actually think it would happen that's right it would actually play out and <laughs> sure. we saw it happen yeah and as i've been reflecting and talking to people that i know about this i sense we're just kind of taking a moment to just sit in a, in the moment we're sure. in and maybe grieve a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Where we are, um, but you were also pointing to how now that it's happened, now that we have seen kind of the the tipping point of yeah. where some of this rhetoric and some of the uh, these contributing problems have led us to, it's also caused an opportunity for people to say, "Wait a minute, sure, that's that's not what what we really want." Yeah. So those are some of the challenges. What are some of the opportunities? So I think the saying? opportunity is, I mean, so like you said, like we were talking about, if we've reached this peak, everyone's kind of sitting back and say, this isn't the way I want this to be, right? Mm-hmm. I think at most reasonable people could sit back and say, this isn't it. This yeah. isn't the way it should be. I don't feel comfortable with this. So I think as a leader or somebody that has a voice or a pulpit or somewhere to speak from, it's an opportunity to really say, let's paint the picture. So what does it look like? If not this, you know, then what? this controversial yeah. fighting back and forth, what does it truly look like to go the other way? And I think if we can paint that picture of it's okay to debate and disagree and still love each other and mm-hmm. still care about each other and realize that we probably have more in common than we do different. Mm-hmm. Then at that point, people will say, well, you know what? I actually kind of like that idea yeah. better. It's a more peaceful, amicable way I could... I could disagree with somebody, but then still go out and have lunch with them. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I do think that this is a really big opportunity for us to lead by example. I think it's interesting because a lot of people said, well, you know, our political leaders, they're, they're back and forth. They're fighting all the time. That's true. It happens a lot. And that, and that's what you see. I do think that it's a, it's kind of this self perpetuating problem mm-hmm. where elected officials they reflect what their constituencies do, but their constituencies reflect what the leaders, you know, so it's, yeah. it's this ever, it's this cycle of we're just feeding into each other of, 
well, this is where the, the tone of the rhetoric is gone. And that's how it's said. Compromise is a dirty word. Right. It's all about, you know, just I got to win the day. That's all that matters. So I think it takes somebody to come in and break that cycle to say enough or an, or something happens. I think we saw that thing yeah. where it's like, this isn't acceptable. Let's get together and paint the picture of what it should look like. Yeah. And that's exactly why the Leaders We Need podcast is here. Yeah. That's exactly why Capital Culture exists, is to begin to engage in that work and that process. And you said it very well. If we want a different environment, if we want a different culture, if we want to go a different way, we're all responsible for doing that. That's right. We're all responsible for uh, expecting that and desiring that and working towards that. And yet... We also look to our leaders. Yep. We naturally do look to our leaders. One of the opportunities that I see is you. You and your colleagues, leaders serving at the state and local level in particular, sure. people are looking to you to do just that. And you're right. Our leaders are often having to work and do that job in the culture and environment that is created by us. Sure. Uh, we are still looking to you to cast that different vision yeah. to, to show us and paint that picture of what it can be. And then we all work together towards that. And and that's, I get to see that happening. Yeah. That's something I really want people to hear and understand. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone who's listening to this conversation is I see it happening. Yeah. Uh, and you made the comment earlier, it doesn't get the press it deserves. Sure. You know, press releases aren't going out when these things happen. Maybe they could or should. There's probably somebody we could talk to about that, <laughs> but it is happening. Yeah, you know, yeah. Part of believing that a better future is possible is when we see that it is happening now. Yeah, and, and I would actually even argue that it, it happens majority of the time, quite frankly. I agree. You just don't see it because let's be it's not going to sell a newspaper. No yeah. one wants to hear about how this is working out so well and everybody's getting along. We're, we're, we're wired in a way where conflict is something like, well, I want to read that on the, you know, and that's what it's about. That's what, so a majority of the time, I would say that it is working. It's it's people coming together and figuring things out. Just don't hear about it as often. Yeah. Well, I might have to have you back on to drill into that part of the conversation yeah, absolutely. a little more because <laughs> the whole idea Arthur Brooks calls it the outrage industrial complex. That's right. And and there is definitely an issue and a problem there. I do think that we have a particular problem with information, information sources, information sure. trusting information That's sources. Right. And one of the conversations I would love for us to have in the future is to look and hear from state leaders about, okay, how do you do that process of bringing different ideas together, navigating a way forward? And what are the information sources that people on different sides of an issue can both look to and say that's good information that can help us actually move forward that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, absolutely. That's a whole, that's, other a, that's a whole series of yeah. podcasts, really. <laughs> well, it, and, it's, and I've, I've started having those conversations. Yeah. I think it's one of the things that will probably come out of this experience that we have with 2020. And can I just say that um, I'm a little bummed that it's 2021 because I really got used to being able to blame everything that didn't go my way on 2020. That's right. And now yeah. I can't do that. That was an awfully convenient scapegoat. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Uh, well, Ryan, it's been great to have this conversation. And just with the last few minutes we have, um, what gives you hope for the future of civility in American politics? Yeah. So we, we had discussed a little bit more often than not, 
that exists. Maybe it's not in the public eye that we wish it could be. But I'm starting to realize, and this is one of the good things that maybe came from 2020. Maybe one of the things that we could grow on. I've noticed just even in my neighborhood, neighbors talking to neighbors. Yeah. You know, this opportunity right. yeah. where I'm not leaving home very much. I'm home all the time. When I'm outside, I'm in my front yard. Mm-hmm. But what if we just all spoke to the person that lived next to us and the one next to, you know, and all of a sudden you get this feeling of community again. Yeah. You know, you see a breakdown in institutions in general with this generalization, whether that be political institutions or, you know, even within the church or with, I mean, you name any traditional institution, neighborhoods, things like that, where it's just not as prominent anymore. So I think that gives me a lot of hope mm-hmm. to say, wow, there's actually a younger person talking to their neighbor that's a little bit older. Maybe that's how you get to understand different perspectives yeah. or meet different people and really start to care about the people around us. I think it's literally taking this idea of loving your neighbor to what it was intended to be. You have to know your neighbor to love them. Yeah. And uh, so I, I do think that that's powerful. That gives me a lot of hope. I think you have more people than ever engaged right now. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. The more voices we could bring around our Republic and the ideas that happen within our Republic, the better. Yeah building an avenue that that could be done in an orderly, peaceful way. I think that's the picture we need to paint. And I think that's what this podcast is about. Mm -hmm. That's what your book is about. That's what your everyday ministry is about. Quite frankly, having you at the Capitol has been truly helpful to me just as a reminder to stop, maybe breathe, look around you, realize these are human beings Mm -hmm. around you, forget about the ideas sometimes and just talk to this person on a human level. Yeah. How's your spouse? How are your kids? Talk to me about what's going on in your district with your neighbors. Oh, you you bought a new car. You know, just all the things that happen that we so often forget to think about. And so often it's easy to do when someone has a title or in their leadership position. Paulo Coelho was talking about the same idea of how do we change culture? Culture makes people understand each other better. And if they understand each other better in their soul, it's easier to overcome the economic and political barriers. But first, and this is what you said that made me think of this, but first, they have to understand that their neighbor is, in the end, just like them, with the same problems and the same questions. And that is a great point to be thinking about uh, what is giving you hope and where we can find hope. The more we can build those relationships with literally our neighbors sure. but our, our neighbors in in our workplaces in our in our industries in our communities and actually see that they are just like just like us absolutely last question i want to ask okay and maybe even have your eye toward a person who's listening to this like you in the third grade <laughs> sure uh, who is maybe discovering or wrestling with a desire to one day run for office or serve in the state legislature. What advice would you give that person to do that work well, to pursue that well, to discern if it really is something they should do, but, but to do the work of policymaking well, but promote civility in this whole process along the way. So I think especially on the local level, this is where you get to see government at work close up, an opportunity to really be part of things. Don't be afraid to contact your state. You have a state representative. You have a state senator. 
get involved, speak to these people, understand what's going on in your community. Um, those things are all accessible and quite frankly, encouraged. You know, I love it when a younger person or, you know, one of my favorite things that I get to do every year is, uh, I go speak at Santa Fe high school to high school students Mm -hmm. and the, the, there's some that don't care and are like, that guy's boring. I don't blame them, but there are a few that are engaged. Right. And they're really into it. And I think it's awesome. Um, I probably get more out of it than they get, you know, quite frankly to it, just get engaged. It's not hard to do be part of it, but it, it comes down to really understanding that this, this is a service. This is something that you're doing to serve people and, uh, pray about it and understand that this is an opportunity to help people. It's a worthy calling. It's it's frustrating at times like anything else or any other ministry can be, but it's worth it. It's something that I, I encourage you to do. We need great, thoughtful people to get involved. Um, you know, if, if you have a the makeup of any legislative body or any group where everybody looks the same and thinks the same and acts the same, it's not productive. Yeah. That's not how this is designed to work. It's designed to have people that are willing to come in and do the work, learn about issues, um, disagree agreeably. So I think that's it. I mean, start to understand the issues, but start to just care about people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could really, the root of it is, is, if I can look inward and if I truly care about people around me, how they feel about a specific political issue is not going to ruin that relationship. So I think that's that's what a lot of it is. Just get to know your community and get involved. There's opportunities out there. If you're a young person want to do it, you could dip your toe into the to the pool before jumping in the deep end and go help out on a campaign go meet somebody go talk to them about their experience in doing this and i know that my office would be or probably your representative or senator would do it in a heartbeat strongly encourage that thank you for listening to the leaders we need with joel harder a podcast from oklahoma capital culture Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.